Thank you for sharing those uh, words. Some of us have the love language of God's Word, like it just, like the precepts, the words, the clarity, the principles just come with power. And uh, there, was, there was just these moments where it just took my breath away to hear that. I know that's my, that's my love language. Uh, that is, is really sweet. We're in this series called uh, A Dangerous Generosity. And we're applying this idea of generosity to uh, uh, sort of our mission of our church, which is this is a church for your heart and your head and your hands. And we're talking, we talked for a month about generosity of heart. And, and for the last couple of weeks, we, we've been talking about this idea of an intellectual generosity as well. How are we generous intellectually? And this morning, uh, I, I want to look at this idea. This is the sermon this morning, the generous commitment to God's word. And I'm, you know, generous, we've been meaning generous in terms of sort of kindness, in terms of, of giving, but, but, but generous also has this idea of, of, of abundance, doesn't it? This, this overwhelming abundance of commitment to God's Word is what I want to talk about. If we're going to talk about being generous intellectually, then we're going to have to be talking about what we do with God's Word. How many of you guys were here last week and saw Ben's sermon and saw the picture of his grandma Wilma? Do you remember that up front? Well, not to be outdone, uh, I want you to see that uh, this is Josephine. This is my grandma, Giuseppina Mazzariello. Okay, do you want to say that with me, anyone? I know you do. Giuseppina Reale Mazzariello. And uh, this is when she was smaller. She was sweet, and she was funny, and she told us truth about life. Josephina did, Josephine. And uh, she told us about uh, loving and caring for each other, and she told us about how to be kind, and she taught us uh, recipes that make life full. And uh, she uh, taught us how to cherish uh, family and care for our neighbors and be present for one another. She encouraged us. uh, she She gave us all kinds of truth. But she also uh, taught me some things. She taught me that um, if you uh, sneeze and somebody doesn't say God bless you, then you're in danger of receiving a demon. <laughs> she taught me that the moon landing was a hoax. <laughs> she held all kinds of racist baloney uh, beliefs, thought that uh, if she ever went into surgery, that there's no way that she could uh, have a blood transfusion in case she got the blood of someone of another race because it would kill her instantly. (laughs) She thought male children were more uh, significant gifts from God than female children. Here's the moral of the story. Sometimes grandma's full of baloney. Sometimes your grandma doesn't know what she's talking about. (laughs) We need a more sure source for our intellectual foundations about what life is about. And God bless the memory of my grandma, okay? I shouldn't have... But I could have picked any uh, funny 
we could have done the media and we could have done the things you were taught in school and we could have done the last movie that you went to see with your family and the crazy stuff. They might have taught you truth and things that were beautiful and things that could be applied to your life, but then there was stuff that was full of baloney. And we need a more sure foundation intellectually for what it is that life is about. You with me on, on this? The intellectual foundation of all we believe and all that we do is the Word of God. The intellectual foundation for all that we believe and all that we do is the Word of God because it shapes, friends, our kingdom worldview. Let me unpack that for a minute. Think about that thought. It shapes our kingdom worldview. Kingdom meaning that Jesus Christ is our King, our Lord, that, that the kingdom of God is what exists in heaven, what exists for eternity, and what will exist on earth as it is in heaven, and it will be the age to come, when the, king, the kingdom where the rule and the reign of God and Jesus our Savior uh, uh, exists fully. That's the kingdom of God. And the Bible is our foundation for a kingdom worldview, that when we look at the world, we don't see the world in sort of two dimensions or three dimensions. We see it in a fourth dimension that God is, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, that this life we've been given is to be able to be lived for Him, and there's some truth that is foundational to this reality that God's kingdom exists and that He's real and that we live for Him, right? I mean, that's, it shapes our kingdom worldview. It's foundational is the, use, the word I used here. I want you to look at one of the scriptures with me. And maybe for habit, you, want, you pulled out Bibles before. Maybe you put them away, but you can look it up. This is Luke 6. I want you to look at this text in Luke <clears throat> chapter 6. Just as an aside, as some of you are wanting to turn in your Bibles to see it in black and white. I, um, I got a Bible app on my phone. I've got my Kindle with my Bible on it where I can search and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I've got an iPad. I've got Bible electronically everywhere. I've got an audio. I've been listening to it. There's all, I, can't, I, I want to be as modern as possible, but I can't get away from my paper Bible. And I don't know what, <laughs> amen. Somebody's like, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a both and deal. But, but I, I've been tempted the last few times I've been preaching to not put the scriptures up here. We're doing it here as a convenience for you because it's easy to kind of have it up behind me and, and we get used to it and we don't bring our Bibles. That's totally, I get that. I'm starting to go, maybe we ought to like not do that. Like grab, the, if you didn't bring your Bible, get it. Let's look at the paper. Let's look at the words. I don't know why it feels like it's just more accessible. And then you can see, maybe because it's in the same book where some of the other books of the Bible are and you see all of the revelation of God's word. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, iPad. Pull out your iPad. Luke 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? This is Jesus' words. And do not do what I say. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus is speaking this, this foundational word. My words, what I have taught you is foundational so that when things that come at us, we're solid because we know what is true and what is not true. So the foundation, our intellectual foundation of what we believe and what we do is the Word of God. It's foundational. Now, 
couple points about this. Number one, about this idea of it being foundational. It's how we know what's true. I've already said it, but I want to talk about it a little bit. It's how we know what is true. This word of God. It's how we know what is true. Not what we suspect is true. Not, not what we, but we, it's sort of the black and white. In the front of my Bible, I've got a little, a little phrase that says, these are the words from, and this is Mike, Mike Shimon gave you this. He said, these are the words that God did not want us to forget. And if I forget to make this point later in my sermon, there's all kinds of places that you'll hear and see and learn truth and see and find God. There's all kinds of places you'll do that. But these are the ones that he wanted to make sure you didn't miss. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is the foundational stuff. So at least if you didn't see it, didn't get it, couldn't hear it, couldn't figure it out, couldn't parse the truth, the God, whatever out there, this is the stuff that you don't, that you, then you won't forget, that you'll know. It's how we know what's true. I want to look for the rest of our time at first, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3. And, uh, and read a text there. It's not on the screen, but, but here's, the, the, here's the first couple verses of this chapter. Listen to this. But mark this, Paul says to Timothy. Paul is his mentor. Timothy is a young pastor. He says, but mark this. There's going to be terrible times in the last days. And we're in the last days. He, he, he doesn't mean like just before Jesus comes back. The last days are all the time from when Jesus ascended to heaven it's this church age where we live now as the church of Jesus until his, his coming again and the fullness of the kingdom. So we're all in the last days now. There are no more things that need to happen for us to be in the last days. He goes, mark this, in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful. Just raise your hand when one applies to you. That'd be all right. Um, <laughs> proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. And we're about to go into verse 14, but listen to the beginning of that. He's actually talking about the believers. He said, listen, this is in the last days. This is, people are going to act. They're just going to live a lot like they don't know God at all. They have the form of godliness, but deny its power. Amen. Verse 14, but as for you, you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. You hear the truth words? Because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, and rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now go back to verse 15 and look at it. How from infancy. People are going to live all kinds of ways. But you, how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. This point that we're making right now is that this scripture, it's how we know what is true. And the holy scriptures are the things that help us become wise to salvation, the salvation of God through faith in Jesus. It's how we understand what's true 
about the universe and about God and about us and about life. It shapes our kingdom worldview. It's how we know what is true. It's how we know what truth is. Now, I, I, I alluded to it before. I have to say it again. It's, it's not all the truth in here, you guys. This isn't all of the truth in the whole world. And you know this because some of you have wrestled in your marriage and somebody somewhere along the line said, go to God's word because it's the handbook for life. And so you're like, how to deal with a know-it-all wife, man. And you can't find it in here. And I got brothers in the Lord that, man, they're clicking on stuff they shouldn't be clicking on. And they're like, how to overcome my compulsions. And they get in here and they just, they look up, they look up in the back. They can't find computer in the concordance. So if anybody's ever said to you, you'll be fine, here's the handbook for life. No, that's not true, you guys. This is the foundation for truth. This is the foundation of what we believe. It's not the, all the truth. You're going to find truth in all kinds of places. Okay, another parenthetical. You're, you're going to find truth, friends, in people who have all those other characteristics that we read about in 2 Timothy, and they may even have some truth in their life. You're going to find truth in all kinds of other religions. You're going to find they're going to say and do things that are true. God is this God who created the world and his truth is permeated in all over. You're going to find truth in beauty where there's no words written at all. You're going to find truth in nature. You're going to find truth in a lot of different places. So it's not all the truth. But it is how we know in the end that what we see is truth or untruth. Or is Josephine full of baloney? She was right on target here, over here. No, you know what, Grandma, let me hear you with me? It's how we know what's true. It shapes our kingdom worldview. It's not all the truth, but it's the foundation of what's true. And that's what this verse is in verse 15 where it says, it will make us wise for God's salvation of us through our life and faith in Jesus. This, this, is, this is about making us, it's the foundation of the most important truths about Jesus. Well, here's a couple things. It's how we know, number one, who God is. Now, you think about that. You think about the old proverbial, you know, people uh, touching the elephant. The blind touching the elephant. You just touch a part of it. This is how our world lives. A lot of us, actually, they, you know, you, you may hear and you may see this philosophy throughout all kinds of places in our culture and in our world. It's sort of lifted up as a really um, sort of evolved philosophy, which is, well, we're all touching one part of the elephant. And so we can only describe our one little part, but it's the elephant, and it's true, and there's many ways up the mountain, or whatever metaphor you want to use. But, but, but in, in essence, we're at, we would be left to just guess what God is about. But the Scriptures let us know who God is so that we're not left to guess. Because if we're left to guess, we're left to guess rather imperfectly about who God is. So people go, well, I just found God, and I've understood God through children and through nature and through, okay, well, I've met your children. <laughs> That's not a good guess. You understand what I'm saying? This is how we know what's true. It's how we understand who God is. Otherwise, we're left to guess rather imperfectly about who God is. It's how we know, come to know who we are, or we're left to guess rather imperfectly about who we are. I've never met anybody who has the perfect balance of understanding of who they are. There's either a superiority complex or an inferiority complex. 
and we come back to what's true about who we are and what we need. This is the foundational truth for that. It's how we know how to be forgiven, how to be saved, how to be rescued, how to be born again. We all know down deep, every one of us knows down deep that we need to be made right with God. And for us to go guessing, hoping, looking for some way to make that right, you see all kinds of stories. Maybe much of your story has been like that, that you've been out there looking for a way to redeem yourself or to be redeemed or to be forgiven or to connect with God. This tells us what is true about how to be redeemed and how to be saved. People always go, oh, but it's so narrow. It's just, you know, the Jesus thing is just so narrow. Well, no, friends, it's not narrow. It's simple. God said, I don't want it to be so complex that you can't figure it out. You need a Savior. Let me give you one. And we learn about how to be saved through here. It's how we know what's true about God, who we are, how to be forgiven. It's this, and maybe this is a phrase that will catch you, and it'll be worth your price of admission. It's how we know what Jesus taught and what the early church caught. What Jesus taught and what the early church caught, and then they preserved it for us, and they go, then this is what you shouldn't forget about what's true. It's what Jesus taught and what the early church caught, and they passed it along. They said, if you don't get anything else, get this. If you're out there having a guess, get this. And what did he teach, and what did the church catch? Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so he said, if you hear my teaching, if you come after me and you hear my teaching, then you're really my disciples, and then you're going to know the truth, and the truth's going to set you free. I mean, this whole process is for us to become followers of Jesus, to hear Jesus' word, to listen to Jesus, to receive salvation, to receive truth. This is the whole process, and it's captured in here. And the disciples got it when Peter, after that hard teaching, in the book of John records, Peter, after this hard teaching, Jesus said, so what about you guys? Are you going to follow me or not? And Peter said, well, Lord, where else would we go? For you alone have the words of life. So this is what Jesus taught and what the church caught and wanted us to not forget. Jesus, in praying for the disciples in John 17, says, Father, praying for the church, sanctify them, grow them, make them holy. Sanctify them by your truth. Then he says, your word is truth. Grow them by your word. That's Jesus' prayer. So you hear this? This is all how we know what's true about who God is, who we are, how to be forgiven, what Jesus taught and what the disciples or what the early church caught. It's how we know what's true. And then, of course, by extension, it's how we know how to live. If we know what's true, then it's how we know how to live. See, your, your, your study of Scripture is going to meaningfully inform your values, your choices, your priorities, your actions, your the convictions, the, the, the way that you, the impressions you get as you look and feel things in the world. You just, you know how to live. Uh, got the mail yesterday. In it was a Victoria's Secret catalog. I think there was some other stuff like bills, but they're a Victoria's Secret catalog. <laughs> And a GQ magazine. And uh, I signed up for GQ magazine because uh, a long time ago I used to buy a GQ 
once a year on vacation so that I could stay up on the fashion thing. Like, be like, oh, man, this is cool. Look at what those guys are wearing or whatever. Well, so I got a deal in the mail, like, you know, 10 bucks for a year of GQ. It was like $10 too much, apparently. Victoria's Secret and GQ. And as I opened my mail, I looked at it, and I had this impression inside that I didn't like either of those things. The cover, what was in it, what was on it, what it was making me feel. Friends, listen, go buy your little undies, whatever you got to do. Like, I'm not judging that deal. I'm judging how I know what it made me feel. Do do you know what I mean? That's the Holy Spirit informing my values and my convictions and my sensibilities and the way I think about women and what I feel is right about women and sexuality and my purity. Do you know what I mean? If we know what's true and we steep ourselves in the Word of God, it informs all of that and it then governs how we live. It's how we know how to live. Look, look again at verse 16 and 17 of the passage that we were looking at in 2 Timothy 3. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. We're trained in righteousness by the Word of God. That's what happened to me when I opened the mail. This, some, some of my training was coming out. That, that, that women shouldn't be perceived this way or portrayed this way. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This equips us. It tells us what's true, and then it tells us how to live and equips us to do everything we long to do in the world, to be the men that we want to be, the women we want to be, the parents we want to be, the friends we want to be, the the children we want to be, the servants of God, the lovers of our world, our neighbors, the, the carers for the poor. It equips us for everything because it shapes our kingdom worldview. And now we know how to live. Some of it we know how to live because it's black and white, and some of it we know how to live because it shapes us and informs us and equips us. Without it, we're guessing. Without it, we face situations and go, I don't really know what, I'll, what I should do here. I have no clue what to do here. And that's super common for all of us. But as we grow in being steeped in God's word, we actually find that happens less and less often because we've been rebuked, taught, and corrected, and trained and equipped to live out the kingdom of God by being in God's word. It's how we know it's true, and it's how we know how to live. How do we live for God? And I like this idea of it, it, it lets us know how to live for God because we've been talking about generosity, this generosity part. It's going to teach us. It's going to inform all of our generosity. It's going to inform our generosity toward God. It's going to inform our generosity, meaning, you know, we talked about generosity toward God being our worship, our heart for God. It's going to inform that. It's going to... This is, this is all of our awe and all of our reverence and all of our fear and all of our submission to God. This worship life, friends, is informed by God's Word. And some of us go, yeah, I'm not really a worshiper. And that's okay if you don't like music or you're not a music person. Or Actually, I don't think that's okay. That, that means you're messed up. But <laughs> did, I just, did I say that out loud? That's so judgmental. But some of you don't resonate with a certain kind of music or a certain kind of song. That's, I totally get that. But actual awe and reverence and submission and, whoa, fear of God, that is informed, friends, by how, 
by, by this. We know how to live generously toward God because we've been informed by God's word. We know how to live generously toward others because the scripture has informed us about who they really are and how he's treated us and how he treats strangers and how he treats the broken and how he treats the lost. God loves your neighbor so much. And we're informed. It's, this, this, we, we get that. We understand that. We end up being able to live with delight and patience and grace for people because we see how God delights in his children and sees and hopes for them and sees their potential and knows what they were created to be. That informs us. We, we, we know how to live uh, with generosity toward ourselves. Here's what I, we can't seem to remember without the word of God, without being in the word of God constantly, we can't seem to remember about ourselves that we are God's children, that he is delighted in us, we're saved by grace. It's a free gift. Our sins are forgiven and we're covered by his blood. He is our father that delights in our presence. We are called to play an irreplaceable role in an epic existence. And we're compelled to a single-minded devotion of being a servant of Jesus Christ our Lord on an hour-by-hour basis. We can't seem to remember that without being steeped in here, right? How many seasons of our life did we just go through for days and weeks and months on end thinking, what is life about? Forget who we are. And we know how to live toward the church generously, This word informs us that we're not a civic organization. We're not a holy huddle. We're not a nice moment in our week. No, we're gifted to be Jesus to each other and then good news to the world. And so it is intense what we do together. And the word informs that and tells us how to live in it. The intellectual foundation of all that we believe and all that we do is the Bible. It's God's Word. It's how we know what's true. It's how we know how to live. But we're ending all of our sermons on generosity saying this generosity is a dangerous generosity because it's costly. A generous commitment to God's Word is dangerous because it's going to be costly. Here's what I think it's going to cost you. Number one, I think it's going to require that you become an expert in the Scriptures. And that's costly. That's, this has become now your number one hobby and avocation. I don't know how many times I've said these words, but you, can you describe yourself as, I am a man of God's word? Or would somebody describe you that way? My husband as a man of God's word. My wife as a woman of God's word. You become an expert of this. You become an expert in the scriptures. Friends, we can't, if it shapes our kingdom worldview, we can't really afford to not get it to not really understand it. If it's the intellectual foundation of all that we believe and all that we do, then we can't afford to not really understand it. But the deal is, it's super hard to understand. Hello, amen, anybody in the house? It is super hard. <laughs> you know, in 2 Peter, 2 Peter, Peter's writing about Paul. He goes, he calls him our dear brother Paul who wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He said, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand. St. Peter. And he goes on to say, but ignorant, not stupid, ignorant, people who haven't been informed, people who haven't been steeped, they mess it up. They become dangerous because it's hard. So we got to 
get in there and do the work. Timothy, in verse 15, says Timothy knew the Scriptures from infancy. And part of the hard work is that his mom and his grandma did the hard work. His mom and his grandma were believers and raised him from the Scriptures. Then when he was five years old, every good Jewish boy, his mom, his mom was a Jewish Christian, they started studying the law from five years old on. And then when they got, and memorizing the law, and then when they got a little older than that, they would follow in the steps of a famous Torah teacher. And they would end up having the whole law memorized. They would end up being complete experts. By the time they were like 11, game on. And for us, the reality, guys, is not that we're lazy. For us, the reality is that most of us get stuck with not understanding how to approach this thing. We just go, man, I hear that. I get all inspired. I love what Jeff's saying. It's how we know it's true. It's how we know how to live. That's awesome. And these verses people read are so good. But when I get into it, I don't see those verses. I see all kinds of stuck. I'm like, I like Josephine's wisdom better. Like, this is hard. I don't know what to do. But we have to become experts in God's Word. So you ready for some practical? I'm going to give you some encouragement now about being an expert. Number one, get, get a time. Get a time. You're going to be an expert, you got to get a time, you got to get some time and get in it. And that just takes discipline. That's just flat out discipline. And you know what discipline is. It's all that stuff you should be doing and you're not doing. Well, here's one of them. It's just no easy way around it. You get some time and you get in God's Word. Number two, you get a study Bible. You get an NIV study Bible. You take your Bible that Grandma gave you, the King James Bible, and you go, that is awesome. And you put it aside and get one that's written in your language. King James English is 600 years old. Not kidding around. You go, but I get it. I understand it. Okay, great. You've learned another language. That's fine. That's like if you were bilingual and you had a French Bible and you read it. That's great. If you're bilingual, if you're not, bless grandma, set it aside. Get an NIV Bible. Take one of these things from underneath the chairs and take it home with you. It's your, now it's your Bible. Okay? Get a time and get a Bible and get a study Bible. For $19, you can get a hardcover study Bible, the NIV study Bible, Okay? This, I, give, I, don't, I didn't have any. I was going to give some out. I gave, I gave them out all the time. I buy them. I have them in my office. I give them out. It's an NIV study Bible so that then you can look at the beginning. You go, great, my reading plan has me today at Malachi. Excellent. There's two pages. Who's Malachi? When was it written? What was going on in the history of Israel? What his messages were? what the timetable is. You look back, you're going, to find all, you're going to find timelines and charts and graphs. Friends, how would you know that stuff? Get a study Bible and study it. And then down below, the first few verses of Malachi where you're like, what is he talking about? Here's a little pastor giving you a little sermon on it right here. Okay? NIV study Bible. If you don't know which one to get, don't get a pink, girly, whatever. That's fine. You can do any of those special little Bibles. Ex-smoker, on my third marriage, love Jesus was a Buddhist study Bible, go ahead, get one of those if you need to. But if you're wondering which one to do, NIV study Bible, 1995 for this hardback one, okay? I told you I was getting practical. Get a time, get a study Bible, get a notebook because you then will write down all your questions because you're going to have them from the first verse. Write down all your questions and then get a group and you can bring that notebook to that group. Maybe it's one other person. Maybe it's a small group Bible study. Maybe what? Get a group, and then just start talking about it. And then, so get a time, get a study Bible, get a notebook, get a group, and, and then last, get off the internet. <laughs> well, mostly. Get anybody 
can get an internet website and blog and talk about the Bible. And apparently anybody does. And Josephine is full of baloney, okay? So get your study Bible, get some resources, groups. They said to Timothy, hey, you know what you've believed and from whom you've believed it. You trust these people. They're not wackos. But become an expert. It's going to cost you guys to get in there and do it. And I'm almost done. Last thing. You, you, it's, going to require, it's costly. It's going to require you to become an expert, but it's also going to require that you have a tremendous amount of humility. And here's why. Several reasons, but if I, have, I'm, I have to be brief because I'm, I'm out of time. It's going to require humility because you have to be in submission to hearing God tell you junk about yourself that you don't want to hear. If you're going to let God's Word be the intellectual foundation of what you believe and what you do, then you're going, to be, you're going to hear stuff that you don't want to hear. And it takes humility to hear God say, hey man, you're going to have to let that go. Hey man, you're going to have to repent of that attitude. Hey man, you're going to have to go back and make that deal right. Hey man, you're going to have to quit that subscription. It takes a tremendous amount of humility to hear God. It's also going to take humility because you're going to have to live with a pretty fair amount of uncertainty about life and your journey and truth. So even with all that I've said, there's a lot of stuff we just don't understand very well. There's stuff we don't really know how to apply. There's uncertainty in your life. God promises he's going to bring healing. You're like, when? And then there's silence. God promises he's going to bring provision. You're like, I'm almost out. And then there's silence. There's all kinds of ways that we have to live with this uncertainty about how God's going to fulfill his truth in our lives. And we have to live with that. We end up holding stuff then fairly loosely sometimes. We can talk more about that later. Uh, and, And the third reason why it's going to require some humility is that because we hold some stuff loosely because we don't understand it, we're going to run into other people who think differently about some of the same passages of the Bible that we're looking at. And we're going to have to have some humility around that and generosity toward them. So how is it that we raise or discipline our children? We're going to disagree with some people. What kind of magazines can the Mazzarellos subscribe to? We're going to disagree with some people. What kind of music honors God and doesn't honor God? What, what kind of discipline in our life looks like a Christian and what doesn't? What, we're going to disagree. When is Jesus coming back and how is that going to unfold? We're going to disagree with people on all kinds of things. So we major on the majors and we hold other things loosely and we treat one another generously. Anyway, that's, it's going to create all kinds of humility. So here's the deal. If it's the intellectual foundation of all that we believe and all that we do, and it tells us what's true, and it tells us how to live, then we got to get in it. we got to get in it. Is today the day for you to say, there it is again. I got to be a man of God's word. I got to be a woman of God's word. I got to get in it. Some of you may be in it. You may be experts. You're the experts already. Maybe you just need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that you can hear and see it, listen for God again. Probably most of you are on this side of expertise. And you're saying, I got to get in there. And I got to figure it out, and I got to learn, and I got to let my worldview be shaped by God's word. I'm going to pray for you. Band, come up. Art, you're going to come up too, and you're going to lead us in prayer in a minute. But here's a little pitch. March 30th, we're doing a class downstairs, starting a four week class on what's the Bible? How'd we get it? 
I've taught this class before. You may have heard of it if you've been around for a while. What's in it? How can we say it's authoritative? How is it God's word? Are there errors in it or not? Who are these people that wrote it? All that stuff. Everything you always wanted to know about the Bible, but we're afraid to ask. Four-week class, so you can come to church and go to Sunday school. It'll start March 30th. You'll hear more about it. God, come and bring your power for the discipline of being men and women of your word. We need your power, God. We need your strength. We need your um, impetus to dig in so that we might know your truth. We thank you for this word, this word this morning, and we thank you for your word. Help us take the next steps through the power of Christ. Amen.